Hey, hey, podcast listeners, Claire Tuning here. Welcome back to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast, episode 146 to be exact. If you are new to the show, I just told you my name, but I am your host, of course. I am your non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, lover of all things peanut butter and jelly and food puns, Still struggling a little bit, uh, teetering on the edge of losing my voice. If you're listening to, or if you listened rather to last week's episode, you heard me talk about in the intro how I was kind of losing my voice. It was in and out. I'm actually recording the intro to this episode on the same exact day that <laughs> I recorded the intro to that episode. So still struggling a little bit. We're going to try to keep this intro short so I can preserve my vocals. But today I have a really awesome guest episode coming your way with the one and only Ellie Weinstein. I'll be telling you a little bit more about him and what he does and what we talked about in this episode here in a couple of moments. But before we get to that, we are kicking things off as we usually do with our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So this post comes from a member of our community. This post is also complete with a photo, which, you know, since podcasting is a listening only platform, as you're well aware, I cannot share with you the photo, but I will try to describe it as best as I can. The photo is making me hungry just looking at it, but the poster writes, can we normalize meal choices that we wouldn't share with friends and family who are still deep into diet culture? Because mine is boxed macaroni and cheese with a cut up hot dog and pepper on top because I'm fancy. So as you can maybe piece together from the text of this post, the photo that comes along with the post is what looks to be a delicious white cheddar boxed mac and cheese with cut up hot dog slices and black pepper sprinkled on top. Looks delicious. I feel like I can smell the delicious cheesy aroma all the way from here, but I wanted to share this post for a couple of different reasons, or I should say I want to provide a couple of thoughts or reminders along with this post. First reminder being that you do not owe anyone any explanations about your food choices because only you know what is best for your body and only you know your preferences, your level of hunger, what your taste buds are asking for and those decisions as far as what you put on your plate or what you put in your bowl are no one else's but your own. So that's the first reminder. You are the expert in your own body and you owe zero explanations about your food choices to anyone. Second thought here is if you are surrounded by people, either in your home environment, maybe in a friend group, maybe your coworkers, if you're just surrounded by people who don't really understand that boundary or they don't understand how their comments about your food choices are unhelpful or they're detrimental to you or they're triggering, it is okay for you to not share information about your eating with them. Maybe you choose to eat meals away from them if and when possible. Maybe you really try to set that firm boundary of, hey, your comments are not helpful. They are not desired. Maybe you come across with something, kind of like I said earlier, I know my body better than you do. This is what choice, you know, this is the choice that feels best for me here in this moment, but it is okay, as this poster said, to 
just choose to not share information about food or food choices with individuals, especially with those who are really steeped in diet culture, who might have a lot of their own internalized guilt and shame about the choices that you're making. Therefore, they voice problems or concerns with that. You know, something I share with my clients all the time is this idea of if someone is making comments about your food choices or even about your body, their comments, even if they are directed at you, have nothing to do with you or your choices and everything to do with their own internalized issues or struggles with food and or their own body. So hope you found this helpful. A couple little reminders. Maybe also the reminder that boxed mac and cheese with cut up hot dogs or literally boxed mac and cheese with anything is delicious. One of my favorite combinations when we're talking about the, you know, the boxed mac and cheeses is the Annie's white cheddar with uh, frozen broccoli heated up and put in it with pepper on the top. Sometimes I'll add extra cheese. So maybe the point of this post was to just remind you the deliciousness of boxed mac and cheese. But regardless, if you found this post to be helpful, if you want to join a community of like-minded individuals who are looking to learn more about intuitive eating, continue healing their relationship with food, you want to ask questions, you want to engage in community conversation, then we would love to have you in this free private community. Whoa, just try to combine my words there. Free private community. There we go. So if you want to come join us, the best way you can do that is by checking out my website. That is clairetuning.com slash community and lose my voice. And on that page, uh, that'll take you directly to the application. Shouldn't take you more than a couple of moments to fill that out. As soon as you submit it, my team and I will read it over and we'll be back to you as soon as possible to welcome you into our group. But without further ado, Let's talk a little bit about today's guest. So Ellie Weinstein, I'm gonna read directly from his bio here, and then I'll give you a little teaser as to what we cover in this conversation. Ellie is a social work therapist at LCSW, if you're familiar with the the lingo, who has worked in a psych hospital, intense outpatient clinics, and currently works in a group private practice in Queens. He created Elevation, pun there on his name. Appreciate that, Ellie. (laughs) But he created Elevation and became a therapist to fill a need and create a modern outlook on mental health to create a more digestible and relatable view on mental health to help those in struggling times and to add some extra inspiration and motivation into everyday life. Ellie has been featured on The Kelly Clarkson Show, IVF Warrior, Fruitful, Breaking Taboo, and on multiple podcasts ranging from parenting, relationships, mental health, and infertility. His main goal is to help people on their journey to add support, care, empathy, expertise, and insight. He runs events, seminars, and individual coaching on topics for mental health awareness, public speaking coaching, relationship coaching, and confidence boosting. We will have all of Ellie's links linked in the show notes of this episode. So to his personal social media, he has a podcast as well called The Dude Therapist, who he was kind enough to have me on a featured episode of The Dude Therapist. So we will have all of that information linked in today's show notes. But to give you a little sense of what Ellie and I talk about, 
gotta find my notes here so I can remember. Uh, but in this conversation, he shares a little bit about his own relationship with food and body and what that journey has been like for him. He shares some ways that diet culture impacts all of us human beings, men included. And he also shares how men can work to create a healthier relationship with food in their bodies and how all of us who have men in our lives can work to support them in that process if they're trying to step away from diet culture, from hating their bodies, from fear around food, whatever it might be. So if you find this episode helpful, I would love it if you share, rate, and review. If you are listening to this episode and you have someone in mind who you feel could benefit from this conversation, I hope that you will send them the link, send them a screenshot, maybe send them Ellie's information because he has a lot of it out there that is really, really wonderful. So without further ado, I'm going to turn this conversation over to Ellie and I hope you enjoy. Ellie, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here because I think we just jive well. We just get each other. So I think it's going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun today. It's going to be a great conversation. We do. I, uh, I'm on board with your prediction. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Ellie and I have kind of like swapped podcasts. So I've been on yours. Now you're coming on mine. So I agree with you. We do jive and it's going to be a great conversation. But before yours we- Yours is coming out in August. Okay. Well, this episode then will be out by the time mine is up on yours. So anyone who wants to finish this episode and then go to Ellie's podcast, we'll plug your podcast and all that at the end, but uh, you can hear our conversation over there as well. Ooh, exciting. Um, so exciting. But before we officially dive into what we are here to talk about today, let's play a little this or that. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Do you prefer to be a traveler or more of a homebody? A homebody. Same. Well, I like I like being at the place. I like yeah. I, I just don't like to get there. Once I'm there, I love it. But it's just the, the the traveling part of driving or flying or preparation. But once I'm at the place, I love touring and. But it's the preparation stuff that I can't stand. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I really like my home environment and I love my routine and I find so much comfort and also joy in that. Like I don't find my routine to be boring. That's just a me personal thing. So I love just being in my space. Don't get me wrong. Like you, I like to sightsee or experience other things, but if I had to choose one or the other, I'd prefer to be at home. So my wife would not like that answer that I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> She's a traveler. We, we do plenty of it. I promise we try our best to balance. So I'm going to be getting the link to this episode and messaging it, messaging it to your wife. Did you listen hear to you the said? first minute? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, next one. There's a very loud motorcycle going by my house. So apologies, podcast, if you can hear it. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh, that's a really hard one. I'm a very big tea person. So I'm just going to I love coffee, but I like collect loose tea. So I love tea. Wow. Spilling the tea here on episode whatever this is. <laughs> podcast. Okay. Next one. This is, is still in alignment with a little bit of a food theme, but when it comes to tacos, would you prefer to have a flour tortilla or a corn tortilla? I like the flour soft foldable thing. I don't know. I just like that. Even though I understand the texture thing and I'm not here to kind of bash anyone who does that. I'm not a hater. I promise. I get where you're coming from, but just that flour softness. That's my jam. I I am gonna have I'm gonna have to disagree with you on this one. I I don't think that that's flour it, I'm I, like and that's the episode. I don't think that the flour tastes bad by any stretch of the imagination. I agree with you that the um the texture and like the foldiness of it is great, but 
there's just something about the, the flavor of the corn and the crunch as well that I like a little bit more, especially if it's um, a soft corn tortilla that's been toasted a little bit. Or Wait, it's there's like- a soft corn tortilla? Heck yeah, there is. Oh, that's I'm thinking what I'm of like a crunch. To. I'm thinking of like the crunchy, like it's like already formed into this very no. tight thing. Uh, Maybe okay. I should. Okay, I'm going to reframe my question. We're talking soft tacos, like oh, soft 100% tacos. with the soft taco, okay. flour or corn. Are you still team flour? Oh, no. Soft, I understand the corn then. I'm okay. Go corn. If it's soft, I'm going corn. If it's the hard, crunchy one, I don't like the crunch and then losing half my meal. Oh, 100%. So soft corn, I'm all in. Soft corn, I like. All right. Now you've taught me when I ever I ask that question for future podcast guests, I need to clarify that we're talking soft tacos. Or maybe I'm just a weirdo <laughs> and I don't understand tacos. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> um, you know, could be. I, could I will be. not disagree. <laughs> uh, next one, TV shows or movies? I'm a big movie person, so I'm going to go with movies. Okay. I like movies, too. I just have problems staying awake for the full movie, especially if it's at nighttime. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's another thing. Ariella, my wife, if you're listening, that's for you, too. She's a TV show person. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Ellie's wife is also a dietitian. Yes, she is. We uh, have a lot of similarities going on. (laughs) It's true. We're twins, basically. Okay. Next and final one. Do you prefer to fly by the seat of your pants, as the saying goes, or have more of a plan? Plan. Very much a planner. Um, with my ADHD and anxieties and stuff of that, like I need to know that this idea. I don't like doing the planning. Like let someone else do the planning. I just like to know there's a plan. You because like to- just like. Yeah, I like to have the plan. I like to have the plan because the surprise of like, oh, we're going to go on a three-day vacation tomorrow. And it's like, what? Um, like, that's not my thing. But like, if you tell me a week before, it's like, okay, I can come around, process it, and have a good time with it. But not, I'm not a fly to see the pants kind of person. I'm with you there. I feel like if I, if I had to guess what your answer was going to be to that question, I might have guessed you would have been more of a planner just because... All of our interactions so far around podcasting and scheduling and you have this like whole schedule of when you're releasing your podcast like way more in depth than i have i just imagine that you might answer that uh, i'm a planner yeah 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 very much so i like to be prepared and know that i have something coming out it's yeah therapists have anxieties too you know just like you know a lot of dietitians we come to the field because we've had our own struggles with food so it's it's interesting how we how we end up where we are but uh now that we have gotten to know you in a little bit more of a fun and a lighthearted way we've learned about your taco preferences or should i say your confusions around tacos (laughs) (laughs) maybe i just need to eat more tacos yeah i should really just embrace taco tuesday more yeah well now that we know that about you i'm wondering if you might going to be able to take a couple of moments and share with our listeners who do not know you, they're not familiar with your content, just a little bit more about who you are, your credentials, and just what you do on an everyday basis. For sure. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker or acronym LCSW in New York, where I work at a private practice, my own. Um, And I work with adults and couples on anxiety disorders, depression, trauma, and relationships. Uh, and really see clients every day. I have a podcast, The Dude Therapist. I'm married with a beautiful little two-year-old daughter, the Rickster, as I call her. Her name is Ricky. Um, and, you know, I live in Long Island, New York, and doing the best I can every day. That's all I, that's all I can do. I don't know if I asked you this when we connected on your show, but anyone who ends up in any profession, of course, I'm always yeah. curious to know 
how they got there? Did you always sure. want to do that? But especially anyone who ends up in the helping profession when you're working so closely with other individuals, especially on the topic of mental health, did you always know that's what you wanted to do? Where is there like one moment in your own life that kind of sparked this desire to help? Like, how did you kind of end up there? I love that question. And I, I think it's so important to understand why people end up where they are. Mm -hmm. uh, like, why did you do that? So it was a mix and match of a few things. I've always loved people and loved talking and listening and connecting with people on a deep level. It's something I've always been doing since I was a little kid, asking deep questions, feeling for other people, having empathy for other people. It's always been something that's been part of my nature. Uh, and I, I do kind of give that to the power of my ADHD as something that is just I had to really get to the depth because I, I was all over the place and I had to kind of slow down a little bit and learn that stuff. And through the ADHD and some family issues, I've ended up in therapy over the years. And it made me kind of appreciate what you can do for someone in that space, whether it's in an office or now through Zoom or video, to be able to make someone feel loved, cared for, and seen. And when I finally got around to that, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I'm like, oh yeah, I want to help people, doctor, doctor. I do not have the brain or the patience to be in school for like 10 to 15 years. Years, years. yeah. Uh, and, and the memory power. I don't have the ability to hold all that information in and spit it out in a successful, practical way often. Um, so I was like, what else am I going to do? So I looked into being a therapist and I fell into it. And when I started taking psychology classes, I was like, this is it for me. I'm good. I'm done. I found my purpose. I'm good. And it's been great so far. Not that it's been easy, but it's been great. Big difference there, right? Between something being great and easy. They can um, yeah. go sometimes, but also there are a lot of great things that can be really challenging and it takes a, a lot of time and effort to get there. Yeah. I love what I do every day. It doesn't mean that my job isn't hard. Yeah. People especially hard. when, Especially when you're holding so much space for other people to share their story and, and process a lot of things that I'm sure come up in your sessions. Um, one thing that I'd love to kind of get into now that we know a little bit more about you and what you do and who you help, at the end of the podcast recording we had on your show, we were kind of bouncing back and forth ideas on what you might be able to speak on here on this platform that would relate to some of my listeners, right? Of course, here we talk about intuitive eating, have a healthy relationship with food, body, self, all of the above. So from your perspective, and even if you'd like to share some of your personal story to the extent that you're comfortable, um, tell us a little bit about food and body, maybe even coming from a, a male's perspective and how that's come up in your life. And then maybe once you share a little bit of your story, I'd love to hear maybe how you see that coming up in, in some of your clients. For sure. You know, again, great question. You know, for me, my my journey with my body image struggles slash weight issues and my view of the weight issues, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And I think a lot of the times it was very unhealthy and distorted thinking. Um, and um, it was more of the idea that I was very underweight my entire life because of my ADHD medication. So I was drinking like two boosts a day, mm -hmm. like that Pediasure boost kind of mixture. It was so thick and so nasty. I never want to drink those things ever again. Till I was like 17, I was drinking those things. Because every doctor's visit and every single thing was that you're underweight, you're underweight, you're super tall, but you're underweight. And it was so focused on weight, 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 and that idea of like something's wrong because of that weight. When I was pretty healthy, Right. I, I, I was growing mm -hmm. pretty fast. I'm six foot two. I was like six feet at like 
I don't know, 14, 15. Wow. I was pretty tall. Yeah. Um, I stopped at a certain point. Clearly, I'm 6'2". And so the focus was so much of you're underweight, you're underweight. That was my vision of like, something's wrong. Then when I got older, and as what happens to a lot of boys, to men, when they start going through the, the depths of puberty, and they start getting gaining muscle and filling out more, when I started filling out and getting broader shoulders, my metabolism slowed down. I stopped taking my ADHD medication. I started gaining weight and it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And also I have Crohn's. So having Crohn's also plays with your head when it comes to weight, whether you're on steroids and you gain a certain amount because of the steroids or you're, you're not keeping any nutrients in your body. Mm-hmm. So you're losing a lot of weight and this waxing and waiting throughout my life made so much, gave so much power to those stupid numbers on a scale and to how I looked at myself and the distorted thinking that I might have about my body. And even today, um, I take medication and I have gained a certain amount of weight that is worrisome for me, even though I am so healthy on a mental level and a physical level. My wife loves me and doesn't think I look disgusting. I am the only person who looks in the mirror and says, oh, really? Ugh, you don't fit in that clothes. You're so this, you're so that. All the negative thinking. And it's so unhealthy because I'm healthy. So why shouldn't I just accept that? And I think, you know, to the next question that you had, the idea of men, I think there's so much focus on looking swole or ripped or or cut or in this good shape or in a certain a certain number of abs or whatever the biceps looking a certain way, or your muscles, or beach body, or whatever ridiculous concept that we throw out, um, that we see on social media, on TikTok, and all these things that are in our faces, I, I have to take a step back and realize I am six foot two and a certain weight, and that's okay, because I'm healthy. End of story. End of sentence. Period. Stop. But I let myself get to a place because of external worries and pressures and society that something is wrong with me and my body and myself because all my life I thought that a certain weight was healthy and now I'm not that weight. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. But I do it all the time. And I know it. And I think we all do that and we know it. And it's such a weird place to be in because we are self-aware but continue to do it anyways. Um, and it takes a lot of hard work every day to look at yourself and appreciate where you're at and what it means to be healthy and all that word what it means to be healthy and well. And I'm going to stop talking now and rant for a second, but that's my point and where I've come from, where my, some of my body struggles have been. And, uh, it's a daily struggle and I'm open and and honest about it. It's real. Yeah. And I think too, to your point about healthy, I mean, we could rant on for days and days about what that means and how, you know, that one's definition of health is going to be different from someone else's definition of health. And even if, you weren't to be healthy for whatever reason, you would still be worthy of care, respect, love, mm-hmm. like all of the things, right? So yeah. I, I wanted to, to add that in there, but something that I wanted to say, I mean, first and foremost, before I breeze past a big thank you, uh, I wanted to thank you for sharing what you did on your story and, and some of your own challenges related to body image, weight, I really welcome the opportunity to have these conversations with any human being, but especially coming from a male's perspective, because something that I find, I mean, I am a female in the field, right? But in so much of the content around food and body image, um, I feel like it's often 
geared towards women or people who I identify as females, right? Or we maybe mm -hmm. even grow up thinking, oh, that's just an issue that women have, mm -hmm. right? Men don't struggle with that. And um, I'm wondering if you see any of that in your field, like if, if anyone who you've worked with in the past or maybe current clients who identify as men, they feel like I can't be having these struggles or I shouldn't be voicing these thoughts. Like I just need to man up. Like what's, what's wrong with me? This is a woman's issue. Like, do you ever yeah. find that um, mentality towards these food and body image struggles around men? So I haven't worked with people when with people who identify as men in that sense, when it comes to distort, distorted eating or eating disorders mm -hmm. or, or that world of body image uh, positivity or struggles. But I do sense that when it comes to mental health in general or just topics that are vulnerable and considered uh, weak or womenly, which is ridiculous concept, and I do not believe in that. Mm -hmm. um, and for any man who is wondering about that stuff and doesn't know doesn't know or want to talk about it that often, you need to read Justin Baldoni's book, Man Enough. It brought me to tears because it was just an honest observation about men and the experience of being a feeling emotional person, a human, mm -hmm. with going through body image, sex issues, pornography addiction, um, uh, friendships, uh, the idea of society and the pressures of men and what it means to be a man in the real sense of the word and not what we think needs to be a man. And I've recently finished a book, uh, Better Boys, Better Men by Andrew Reiner. And it's all the research. Like Justin Baldoni's is a memoir. This is like research science behind it and studies. And I was just amazed by the numbers. And it's so amazing because I myself always assumed, you know, whether it's models or athletes or women in the world and the focus, right, that are out there, body image and struggles and beauty is such a pressure. But for men, it's not assumed that it is a pressure, but it is. It's different. It's not about slender and slim and maybe a breast size or, or butt size or, or thigh gap or whatever ridiculousness society has created as a level of beauty. Um, but it's different in the sense of muscles and strength and power. And, and um, that sense comes differently. So, you know, when I go to the gym and I see different body types all doing the same workout, working their butt off, sweating, enjoying it, no one's going like, oh, they're bigger than me, so they're not strong or they're not successful. And if we look at just body type itself, if every single bigger person is unhealthy and every single smaller person is considered healthy, that doesn't make sense. Just mm -hmm. because you're small or petite or slender or lesser weight doesn't make you healthier. It's not a, it's not, that's not how it works. And for me, when it comes to health, my Crohn's is in check. My anxiety is in check. And now because my Crohn's is in check, which is really one of the biggest reasons of my weight gain and where I'm at, this plateau that I've hit, is because my body's actually taking in nutrients and processing it. It's actually taking in the things that I'm eating and utilizing it for my health. Before, I couldn't. So it's this reframing of what healthiness means and what I have to view as success and being okay with that status versus the pressures of the world. Yeah. It's really interesting what you were just talking about specifically in relations to your Crohn's, right? One, um, one question that I love to offer people for reflection when it comes to weight gain or, or body fluctuations in general, right? The question is what else 
am I gaining? It sounds like in your exact scenario, you were literally gaining more nourishment, uh, Mm -hmm. greater nutrient absorption in your body, right? Greater- Keeping my food in my body. Yeah. Keeping your food in your body, a, a greater state of nourishment, which- from a dietitian's perspective, I'm sure maybe your your wife can relate to this. I hear someone with Crohn's disease saying, I have that in check and I've gained weight as a result and I am more nourished. I am just like, you know, that like celebratory emoji with like the pink yeah. cheeks and they're like blowing yeah. like a celebratory yeah. thing. That's how I feel inside because it's um, it's really a wonderful thing, right? And that really goes to show just like what you were saying that health goes so much more beyond weight. And sometimes the thing that is needed for health is an increase in weight or is a change in body in that way. So one question that I'd love to ask, kind of coming back to this topic of uh, men in relation to body image, for anyone who might be listening, I'm going to ask this question in in two ways. So here's the first version, and then I'm going to ask it a little differently. Um, For anyone who might be listening, who is a male, identifies as a male who is maybe struggling with body image in their own life or in their relationship with food as someone yourself who has gone through some of that, what um, advice or food for thought might you have to offer them? So I'd say the biggest thing is giving yourself grace to be, to be yourself, enjoy the food. Now I'm a big fan of intuitive eating. Um, Thanks to my wife. Uh, We did baby lead weaning with my daughter We're very big into eating the food you have in front of you and when you're full to stop eating and when you want to enjoy something, enjoy it Um, and not to overeat or binge, but to be able to eat with mindfulness and joy and content. Do that by eating a burger or something that has been deemed or labeled as bad. So if you gain 0.2 pounds, you're still healthy. You're still happy. You're still enjoying your life. And even if you gain weight and it worries you, take a step back and think about what truly matters in the world. When you go to your doctors, are your numbers okay? Are you healthy on all the different levels? Does the person in your life love you no matter what? Where is this judgment coming from about your body? Is it a source from someone else saying that you need to be X, Y, and Z to be happy or successful? What is the view that you have that makes it so bad about the way you look? Who's telling you that? And if it's you internally, what's going on? Why don't you like yourself? Is it something that is a physical thing or an internal thing? Is it society's pressures or ideas that if you fit into certain box, you are now not something good? Does that really mean anything? Is that real or is that created? And the other thing I would say um, is that if you really are struggling with that and you want to make changes that you feel are healthy and for healthy purposes, talk to a professional Mm -hmm. like a dietitian and a therapist, get a team of support to help you through the process of identifying the issues that you're going through, the body image issues you're going through, creating body positivity, as well as a plan that is licensed and legitimate and healthy and not a fad, not a social media push, not something created by diet culture that can utilize and abuse and use your weaknesses and vulnerabilities to make more and more money. Talk to a professional that can actually help create something practical and realistic 
that takes you into account and not the masses to just lose a couple of pounds real quick. Yeah. Because in the end, the deeper issues are still there. So that's just my little my little TED talk about that. I apologize for using the the, the number weight, but I just I, I was recently talking to my wife about this. We had donuts a couple of days ago. My wife loves donuts. She's a dietitian. She loves Ben and Jerry's. She loves ice cream and she loves donuts. She's a sweet tooth. I'm not. She loves it so much and she has the donuts because she enjoys it. So instead of having 15 full donuts, she cuts all of them in half to try each one differently and is so happy. And there's no self-doubt. There's no worry or concern because she knows she's doing what's right for her because she's fulfilling a craving that makes her happy. And she now can move on in her day and not sit in her closet and shove 15 donuts in her mouth because she didn't do it earlier. Mm. Take care of yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to yourself. You know, I always talk about my daughter about how when she wants to eat, she goes, give me cheese, right? We give her a cheese and she eats it. And if she wants something, she goes, I want peaches. This morning she yelled at me for peaches. <laughs> I gave her a peach. She was so happy. And another day she goes, I want pizza. And we had pizza. She's so in tune to what she wants and she wants to eat it. And you will not convince her otherwise. And if you try to substitute something else, she gets really annoyed at you and then yells. Yeah. Be in tune to what you want to eat and enjoy the moment and be happy with yourself because you're doing what your body is saying should be done. Mm. And, um, that was a long-winded answer. I know. And what's the second part question? I know I took a long time on there's that. There's a um, – I'm going to come at you in a second with the, with the second part. But there are a few things that you mentioned that I want to comment on, especially with those stories that you were sharing both about your wife and your daughter. It sounds like a really common theme in both of those interactions that they're having around the food is self-trust, right? And permission. And for a lot of people who are listening, I know that might sound so foreign, right? Like allowing myself to cut these donuts and try so many different flavors or craving a peach one day and pizza the next. Like if you've had restriction or a lot of um, ups and downs in your relationship with food where you haven't had that sense of self-trust, it's going to feel weird at first, right? And it it takes time and patience and self-compassion, which brings us really well to that other point that you were touching on, your plug for finding professional help. Um, I always tell people if that's not in the cards for you to work one-on-one with a professional right now, even just following a bunch of them on social media who you trust, who are actually licensed and trained to give out the information that they do, that's a great place to start. Because I think for um, for a lot of people, you were talking a few moments ago about trying to determine the intention behind certain behaviors, right? Are you doing something for a health-promoting reason or a reason that maybe is more supportive of diet culture or taking you down a more disordered route? I think a lot of people, or at least people I have worked with in the past, struggle figuring out what their intentions truly are, right? Because there's not that level of self-trust. So I really think that having a dietitian and or a therapist, preferably both in your corner can really help someone determine like, why are these thoughts coming up and what is my why and wanting to make this behavior shift? Mm -hmm. I think it can kind of provide a lot of clarity to have someone outside of you who's genuinely listening to help you figure out what's going to be helpful versus what's Mm -hmm. going to be more harmful for me. I think that's 
hopefully what you were touching on. Hopefully oh, I reflected it You said it, it well. so much better than I did in a more concise <laughs> way. Welcome to my ADHD brain. And and the, the other two things I quickly wrote down, because I want to make sure to say that, is that mm-hmm. a quick fix never truly fixes anything. Yeah. So when someone promises, lose a certain amount of weight in a month or your money back, like that's just not a healthy mentality because what the focus is, is the weight. It's that if you lose this weight, you now will be happy. We're putting so much power on losing or gaining weight or let's say gaining muscle to be successful or happy that it holds us in this prison of a thought process that confines us to, if I do not lose this weight, I'm now a failure or I'm now a sad person, but that's not right because, and I say this for mental health. If I hear anyone on social media say, I promise that I can fix your deep seated emotional issues Mm -hmm. in four weeks or your money back. It is a false and farce and they're not professional. It is not practical. It's not real because it's not, quick fixes don't work. And then the other thing is that the biggest thing I want to say to people and specifically men, um, because I'm a guy, I'll just say it to the guys. And it's also for the women too, whoever wants to listen. It is not your fault that you think this way, right? Society has been created and diet culture is a billion dollar business, billions of dollar business to convince us that certain body types are successful and certain things are good and certain things are bad. And over the years, things have changed because avocados used to be bad fat and now they're good fat. Who made that title? Society does. But let's listen to the licensed professionals. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to the people who are actually the research, the science behind it, the real, real talk, not what's a fad, not what some celebrities doing and not because if it works for them, doesn't mean it works for you. Um, and I don't even know if it works for them, right? It might, it's it's all behind the idea of looking a certain way for movies and TV. It doesn't mean that's healthy. I, re- I remember I heard once that someone ate a can of tuna and two apples a day to to cut so well that they would be so like muscular for tar. I think it was Tarzan or something crazy like that. That's insanity. That's legitimate. Ins- you're starving your body. Yeah. That is not long term. And dietitians. And correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but dietitians are about the long-term health, not about the short-term goal of losing a couple of pounds for a wedding or for an event or for a TV. That's I mean, not I, what dietitians are about. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like so how, that's my, uh, my two things plug. My last yeah, two I mean, it's how, how therapists or mental health professionals, you're in it for the long haul with people, right? Trying to help them mend relationships, recover yep. from past traumas, not in the short term, but- for the long term. Of their I life. literally had someone yell at me this past week because they mm-hmm. wanted, like, it was literally an intake session. They wanted me to solve their problems and issues within a 45 minute intake. And I said, I can't do that. This is about longer term. Hopefully, we work together longer that I can help you with each individual. He's like, What is this all about if you're not going to give me advice and tell me something now? I'm like, I don't do that. And he didn't want to work with me. And that's okay because no. that's not what I'm about. I'm not here to give you a quick fix and to give you some quick, nice tagline takeaway that's going to solve your problems. And that's on setting appropriate expectations from the start, right? <laughs> um, while we're kind of on this topic, I, I alluded to a couple of moments ago that I had the two-parter question. So you answered the first part and we sprinkled in a couple of other helpful tidbits in there. But when I look at my following in general, so here on the podcast, on Instagram, on TikTok, when I look at the, the breakdown of who that is. About 96% of individuals, this is this uh, statistic is coming from my Instagram, but 96% of individuals are female. Yeah. 
So my question to you is, because I, I have a feeling that a lot of people who hit play on this episode maybe are women. So for the women out there, or let's just put it this way, for anyone who does not identify as a man, um, who is maybe listening to this episode, but has men in their life, who they maybe some of these people know that they have a man who is struggling with body image. Maybe they have a man who's never talked about struggling, but the struggles could be there, maybe reflected mm -hmm. in some behaviors that the people have observed. Um, what advice might you have, again, for anyone who does not identify as a male in order to help them support the men in their life, or maybe even just create a more positive environment around food and body for the men in their life? Any thoughts there? So many thoughts. And I love this. I love this question because I think my, even though my platform is not as big as yours, maybe one day, my following is also probably in the 70, 80% female. Mm -hmm. um, I think women in general are more in line with self-help and growth mindset um, and openness to issues that they're struggling with to find help in some way or another, which is why most of social media platforms are women or females. Um, whether it's a self-help or the psychology world, therapists, dietitians, um, uh, and that, that to me is one of the reasons why I got involved in social media, why I started a podcast was not to combat that. I think that's amazing was to give a different platform, a different voice from a male's perspective for everyone, mm -hmm. right? Just a different flavor. I, we end up saying very similar things. It's not like we're saying drastically different things. It's a different, maybe perspective, a little tweak here and there. It's just a little bit different or different experience in life. What I would say is this, for someone who goes through body image issues, um, often I've been a lot better lately, thanks to my wonderful wife and my, the hard work that I'm doing personally. But in the end, one of the biggest things you can do is be there for them when they want it, not when you want it, not what you expect them to change or what you expect them to need. But when they want to be there, they know that you are there. They know that you show up. They know that you can be there for them as their support. So when you're able to show up, you can, and it's about helping them find that equation or that formula that works for them, not because you like it, but because they like it. Most people don't like being told to do anything. Men really don't like being told to do anything. They shut down, they hide, they even maybe get aggressive or defensive and push back and then shut down in a way that they don't listen. Um, i.e. what we saw on the last week's Bachelor, Bachelorette episode. Oh, baby Greg. Baby <laughs> yeah. Greg. Baby Greg. Oh. Puppy dog face baby Greg. Yeah. Um, right? Shut down right away. Didn't like mm -hmm. what he heard. Shut down. Um, it wasn't gaslighting, by the way. Um, but in the end, the idea is you need to be supportive and listen and then know that they have some more safe and uh, freedom with no judgment to be there. So... I'll add this other layer. If you as a woman want the man in your life to be strong, powerful, but you also want them to have feelings and emotions, if they do show that emotion, don't jump down their throat and correct them and be, make them feel terrible about the emotion. Listen and be safe for that emotion because that's what you want. You want them to be emotional. You want them to be open. Don't question the strength just because they have emotions. If you want both, you need to accept both and give the space the space for both. That's my little pitch for how to really be practical in this way. And maybe 
sending them like, oh, I thought this episode would have been really nice for you. Or I liked it. Would love to talk about it later. Not this will help you listen now. Like, oh, this is a really cool episode. You know, I love, you know, Claire and her and her really awesome uh, podcast. This is really cool. There was a guy therapist on there. That's it. If he doesn't want to listen, he won't listen. If he wants to, he will. So it's just about passing along ideas in a very calm, collected, nice way. Not passive aggressively, not aggressively, but assertively. And I think this could be interesting, but then leave it alone. Don't harp on it. Don't bother someone. Let them find their way to healing and wellness. Everything that you're saying, when I when I go back and edit the episode, you best believe I'm whipping out my notebook and my pen and I'm taking notes on everything that you said because even reflecting just here briefly on a, a personal note, everything that you were just saying about, especially the first part about be there for them when they want that and when they voice that that's needed. I know me personally, something that I have had a tendency to do in, in past relationships with men, right? It's... um. I want to talk about this now, or I see that this is bothering you. Let's get it out in the open, right? That's very much my communication style. I mean, I talk for a living. I talk about problems or struggles. Like this is, this is what I'm here for. I love doing it. Right. But I, I often found that in me being so headstrong, like I see this is bothering you. Let's talk about it now. And harping on that. It was very much the Greg and Katie response for anyone who isn't familiar, we're making a bachelorette reference. I don't know right? why I referenced that, but it was just on my no. mind because hey, I it's top talk of mind for me too. I, yeah, I was right. watching little, you know, be a couple of weeks in the past by the time this episode comes out, but it was very much this response that I have experienced of them shutting down because I'm coming on so strong and their, their willingness to even want to talk about it in that and moment. They didn't listen. There. Yeah. And the listen, didn't listen to each other yep. and the idea that happens in relationship, this is a general male uh, this is really specifically for heterosexual couples. Uh-huh. This uh, this advice and piece of advice, um, this idea of, or this this uh, this general idea is for any couples in any relationship. You cannot push your expectations of how you want someone else to respond and interact with you just because you want that response mm-hmm. doesn't mean that person is able to, can, or knows how to respond that way. So Greg was like, "You should have said this," and she's like, "I didn't know I should have said that," and he was like, "Well, then I'm running away." And that's a whole anxious attachment theory. It's a whole longer thing. Yeah. We but can have a whole in, episode just We can have that. a whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> or go check out. This is a great, a great um, uh, platform called Back to Love Doc. Uh-huh. She's a, a therapist, a relationship expert, and she's a licensed psychologist who uh, dives into every single uh, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise episode that wow. week and delves into the psychology about what goes on sometimes. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, if you want to create a space for someone, let them have the space to be able to to talk. And when they are ready, not when you're ready. Um, And that goes for your needs as well, right? They should hopefully do the same thing for you. Um, And if that mutual respect happens, it creates this open conversation about something so raw as body image. Now, Dr. Rachel NYC, I forgot her last name, I think it's Goldman. Mm -hmm. She gave me a statistic about female eating disorders and disordered eating Mm -hmm. that 75% to 85% of women have struggled or currently struggle and they believe that it's higher because of people not understanding what disordered eating is. Mm -hmm. So women in the world, you understand what the feeling is. You understand. You get what it's like to look in the mirror and go, oh, really? Or, ugh, or I wish I can do better or something's wrong when you look at the body, which is not true. It's a perception. 
So you understand if your man opens up to you, you get where they're coming from. You know where it's at. You understand the feeling. So be empathetic. You can actually put yourself in those shoes and be loving and caring and supportive because according to the statistic, 85% of women have or are going through some sense of body image struggles. So it's not like you're not able to. It's are you willing to show up that way and put yourself in that person's shoes to be there for your quote unquote strong man who's now being vulnerable in a real way. And that's the hardest part. Mm. So that's just a little a little pitch for for really a, a more intense a more intense way of saying it. Yeah. And I think anyone too who has ever struggled with with literally anything, but specifically here in the context of struggling with food or body choosing to open up to anyone about that, whether it's a professional, a friend, a partner, a family member, it's hard, right? It takes a lot of courage. So especially based on what you just shared about men in general, maybe having a little bit of a harder time doing that or making that decision, I think as the other person in that partnership or in that interaction, really being mindful of if they're giving you the go, of I want to be supported in this moment, I need support, really holding that space. And if they're starting to back off a little bit, just being in tune with that and being mindful. So I love that. Be aware, pay attention. Mm -hmm. It's not your opportunity to jump down their throat and give them every statistic and opportunity and every single podcast and every single book that they've read. It's (laughs) not like you just like start shoving things in their face. They just open the door and you need to wait for them to come in. Yeah. And when they come in, be patient, be calm. Don't get all intense and excited. Yeah. About like, oh, yay, emotions. Ah, like it's not your opportunity to go to really get into it. But it's more of like having that calm, collected vibe. Yeah. So they don't run away. Ellie, I didn't come here to be attacked. <laughs> I feel very much. Uh, I I very much identify with what you just said about open the door. Emotions. Yay. Let's talk about this. I, I do it also, by the way. And yeah. I'm a guy. I do it to my wife. Like, I'm like, oh, emotions, person. Ah, like, you oh know, because it's my job. It's who I am. Yeah. I do this all the time. Yeah. But even in my therapy practice, if I jump too far or too aggressively mm-hmm. or too intense with someone opening up about a real thing, they won't work with me. Like it's all about timing. It's all yeah. about patience and it's all about what is best for the other person, not about your intentions and what's best for you. Because it's not about you. It's about the other person sharing. Right. And then pacing that conversation. I know Um, this is the final thing I'll say before we wrap. I feel like I could talk to you for literal hours especially on on all the things that we've gotten to in the latter half of this episode but i guess we have I to just create a summit and just uh you know there we just go. people come and we'll just talk all day and people just enjoy it we can we can call it the yay emotions summit right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but i think that's something that we specifically as providers have to be really mindful of and not only as providers but just like human beings who talk with other human beings right we have to be really mindful about kind of picking up on the other person's energy, their vibe for lack of a more scientific term and trying to match that, right? I know for me, very similar to you, since I do have such a high energy level and I I tend to go very fast as a person, it's so tempting for me to want to jump in and have what I call the fix it mentality, right? Let's do this and let's do that. And like you said, here's this statistic, but we have to be mindful that not everyone receives that in a, in a powerful way, especially if it's, um, or in a positive way, rather, especially if it's something that they're maybe opening up about for the first time. And we need to go a little bit slower there and then ease into conversation. So totally. Okay. I, my, my wheels are spinning with a million more questions I could ask you. Maybe this is foreshadowing 
that we'll have to have you back on at some point for a, a part two of this. Or we do a live. Um, you never know. Yeah, we could do a live. Hey, stay tuned listeners, because there's a lot more we could get into. But uh, for anyone who is wanting to learn more about your work, maybe listen to your podcast, just learn more about you or maybe even how to work with you in general, I'd love for you to plug all of your information. For sure. So I'm working on a current website. It's going to be out in the coming months. And I just stopped my old website, um, which was a very big deal because I worked on it for so long. And I'm like, it's not professional, whatever. So if you want to reach me, really the best place is social media. I'm really active on Instagram. It's Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW. And my podcast is called The Dude Therapists. It's because I'm a dude who's a therapist. Um, it's for anyone and everyone. I just thought it was a catchy name. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, please message me about anything and everything. And if I can help you, I will do my best. And if I can't, I will try my best to find someone who can. Um, and of course, social media is not therapy. But if you would like to work with me, I'm based in New York. So please reach out however you can. And hopefully I can help you soon. Ellie, thank you so much for being here, for your thoughtfulness, for your expertise. Uh, that is all we have for today, listeners of the Yours Truly podcast. So we are going to sign off by saying Yours Truly, Claire, and Ellie. And that's a wrap for episode 146 of the Yours Truly podcast with our very special guest, Ellie Weinstein. Thank you so much, Ellie, for being here on the show, for sharing your time, thoughts, and expertise. If you, as a listener, enjoyed anything in today's episode or anything in general that we share here on the Yours Julie podcast, the best way for you to say thank you and to help the show grow is by tapping those five stars and leaving a review if you'd like. If you are not listening on Apple Podcasts, you can also take a screenshot of wherever you are listening and and upload it to social media, maybe something on like an Instagram story. Be sure to tag me at Claire Tuning so I can say hey in the DMs and I can give you a thank you for listening. But as always, I'm so glad that you were here today. I hope to see ya back here next week, Wednesday specifically, for another new episode of the podcast. But until then, take care and have a great rest of your week.